Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Uh, Today is September 11th, September 11th, 2022, Uh, but you know 21 years ago on this day the World Trade Centers of course were attacked and uh, the Pentagon and a lot of other things took place. You know almost 3,000 souls went into eternity on that day and often and and more later from injuries and then you know it kind of set off a lot of other things that would happen in our country and around the world even and there was just a lot of of uh, loss of life because of that. Uh, and for those of you who are old enough to remember, you probably recall, recall where you were on that day. Uh, I know I recall where I was when I heard the news. Just, you know, it's one of those moments you just don't forget, you know, where you hear the news of what had taken place. And I remember where I was working and, you know, at a warehouse, still lived in Colorado. Uh, I was younger then, a lot younger then, and, and still lived in Colorado. And I remember the, at the warehouse hearing it and, you know, I remember they just sent everyone home because everyone was just so confused of what's going on and what's happening, and they just kind of shut it down for the day. Uh, you know, uh, there are days like that. I remember hearing my, you know, grandparents talking about Pearl Harbor, you know, where they were when they heard the news that on that day. Uh, you know, there are days that just, you, you remember, you don't forget. But, you know, there are also good days, too. You know, we think of perhaps the, the landing on the moon. You know, that's more of an exciting day that people... Now, I wasn't alive for that, so I can't recall that. But I know some here might be able to recall uh, when you heard the, about the, the landing on the moon and uh, when that took place. Uh, and there are good days that also uh, you may be able to recall. Personal days. Maybe the day you were married. Maybe the day you met your, your spouse. Maybe uh, the day you passed a, a, an exam. Maybe the, the day something really went well. I was going to say something about the Razorbacks. The day that they won, I think it was a, they won a championship in the 60s, so I guess it's been a while, so maybe some of you can recall that. Uh, but you know, those are good days. Those are things we remember. This morning, here's the, the title of this message. Have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? Because I hope and pray that there's a day in your life you can look back at and say, yes, I heard the news of salvation and I have accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Now, you may not remember the exact moment down to the second. Some do. Uh, but you remember a time when you understood you were a sinner. You understood that you needed help. And you understood you cannot save yourself. And so you accepted Christ or received Christ into your heart as your Savior. And you were saved at that moment. And that's a great day. That's a wonderful day. The Bible tells us when you were saved that there was rejoicing in heaven. You know, uh, I think of it this way. I don't think we put enough emphasis on when someone's saved. I mean, I think we, we do. But when someone is saved, obviously we don't know their heart. But when they make a profession of salvation, we should rejoice with them. In heaven, the angels are rejoicing over the salvation of a soul. And on that day you were saved, there was rejoicing in heaven. Now this morning, I hope and pray everyone has a moment that they can look back on when they were saved. Now, if not, that's what I want you to consider this morning, because I'm going to talk about this good news. And if you're saved here this morning, you can rejoice as we go through this, be reminded of how good your Savior is, and pray about sharing this with someone else so they can be saved. So let's look here. Here's what I'm going to look at. Verse 11 is where I really want to focus, because there's two words I want us to focus on here. Notice what Paul said, according, he says here, to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Notice what he said there, the glorious 
gospel, the glorious gospel. Now that word glorious, that means something worthy of praise, something worthy to be recognized, or I guess for us today, something worthy to be remembered. Glorious. And then the word gospel means good news, good news. You see, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about, the good news of Jesus Christ. And here's the first thought. Have you heard the good news? The good news that's from heaven. That's where this news is from, the good news of heaven. Notice in verse 11, he says here, according to the gospel of the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. The glorious gospel of the blessed God. So let's consider this here. The good news from heaven. The source of salvation is God. He's the source of salvation. It's not us. It's not us figuring out how to be saved and how to get right with Him. It's God understanding our condition and then reaching down to provide salvation. That's what this is. You see, God has power to act in this world. He's the creator of this world. Uh, the Bible tells us not only did he create, but he also operates in this world. He, he continues to keep this world consisting or staying together. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, read accounts of him uh, getting involved at different times. He sent a flood for judgment. Uh, he also gave the law to Moses later so that we would understand the law. We'll talk more about the law here in a moment uh, because Paul does. But what we find is that God is active in this world. And my thought I'll give to you this morning is God is good. God is good. The Bible tells us in Mark 10:18, there is none good but one, and that is God. And Jesus Christ, those are his words. You see, his goodness is seen in the gospel. That's where God's goodness is seen. You know, uh, I've heard people today, and maybe some were like this, maybe some are still like this, where, you know, you read the Old Testament and say, well, God is just terrible. God is mean. God is cruel. Well, God is what he is. He's just. He's honest. But when you get to the New Testament, you see what he's done as far as sending his son, as we'll talk about more in a moment. God is good to us. God is gracious. You see, God could have left each of us in our sin right where we were. He could have left us there for all eternity. But instead, he provided a way for us to get out of our sinful condition. A way for us to be what we would call saved. And it was the Lord who initiated that. If you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 this morning. And I'll read a verse that's probably the most known verse of the Bible, at least the most quoted. Uh, you know, you don't see it much. I used to see it at stadiums all the time. You know, people hold up a sign, John 3.16, holding it up. So it's probably the most known verse of the Bible. And, and for good reason, because what's there? It says here in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this morning, what I just want to draw your attention to, notice it was God who acted. First, it was God who loved. God loved the world. You know, the, the love of God is what we'd call the agape love, and that's a love that acts. That's a love that chooses and it's not based on emotion or feelings or circumstances. It's based upon choice. And that's what we find here. For God so loved the world, and then what we find next, that He gave His only begotten Son. What we find is that God is the one who reached down to mankind. God is the one who reached down to you. God is the one who reached down and said, I'm going to send help. So what we find is the gospel was initiated in heaven. 
And what we find is it's the work of God in the hearts of mankind. And, and that leads us to the, the thought of God's Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You see, the good news concerns Jesus Christ. That's the good news. The good news concerns Christ. And some will say, well, what about Jesus Christ? What does it tell us? First, it tells us that He's God's Son. He's God's Son. You know, Jesus is more than a man. He's the Son of God. Now, while He was on earth, He did all sorts of miracles. Uh, John tells us that, you know, if He were to wrote down all of them, we wouldn't have enough books to, to record them all. There were some instances where He healed all the way into the night. People would bring those that were sick and those that were lame, and He would heal them. You know, I think the people then were just like us today. If you heard of someone who was healing down the street, I mean, legitimately healing, you may go down there yourself with some of your aches and pains. Or you may take your family member or your friend, someone who's sick or not feeling well, and go on down. And that's what people were doing. And Christ was healing people. Now, the miracles, you know what they were for? They were providing evidence that He was sent of God. You know, others did miracles. We read in the, the Old Testament, others did miracles. So they provided evidence that he was sent of God. Now, when he arose three days later, after he died and was crucified, that was evidence that he was God's son. There's a difference there. You see, the miracle of resurrection is something nobody else has done or will do in their own power. It's something in the power of God, power of Christ. And so that was evidence of his son, uh, that he's God's son. I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I just want to read a passage to you and show you uh, what some call the gospel in a nutshell. If you want to know what the gospel is in a nutshell or in a, you know, I guess a, a brief explanation, uh, what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the gospel. Verse 1 says, uh, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached, unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Unless you had believed in vain. In other words, he said, unless you didn't believe from your heart, you believed in vain. It was something you just said, and there was no faith, or no believing faith. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel right there. Right there in the nutshell. Jesus Christ died. He went into the grave three days, which verifies he wasn't just asleep, he was dead. And then he arose. And he was seen, we know of at least hundreds of people saw him afterwards. You see, Christ is alive. And that's the gospel there. Christ is alive. Today he sits at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. He ascended uh, into heaven, and that's where he sits today. So the gospel is a message from heaven is what it is. It's a, a message to you from heaven. It's a good news that you can be saved and that you can know the Lord. So the thought I have is that the gospel points to Jesus Christ, and it points to him as being the only way. He himself said that, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You see, he fulfilled, as we'll see here in a minute, he fulfilled the law. He opened up the door so we could follow him and go into heaven and stand before God the Father. You see, his atonement provides life. And he alone has paid the debt of sin. He alone has arose from the grave and he alone gives you power to live. 
You see, the good news today is that God cares for you. The good news is that God has provided a way where each of you can be saved. The good news is that God has provided a way for anyone here, anyone in this world, to be saved. That's the good news, that there is salvation for sinners. Now, the next thought I have for you is the good news of help. The good news of help. Let's go back to 1 Timothy. Let's just examine this for a minute. We'll go back to 1 Timothy because I want us to see uh, what Paul was talking about here so we get a little context of this gospel that he talks about, this glorious gospel. Uh, what we find here is in verse uh, 5, he talks about the end of the commandment is charity out of pure heart. And then he goes on here to verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. Okay, so Paul's saying here, okay, there's nothing wrong with the law. Now, what law is he talking about? Uh, he's not talking about the law of the United States of America. Uh, or the law of another country, he's talking about the law of God, which takes us back to the Old Testament, or what you find in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, some in Deuteronomy. That's where we find God's law, and that's where he's taking us back to. He says the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. In other words, Christ didn't come to add to it or to take away from it. He didn't come to create a new law or to create a new religion. He came to fulfill what God had already given. And that's the work of Christ or the work of the Messiah. So let's consider the law for just a few moments. We have to consider the law. Uh, Exodus uh, chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Let me go back there. And there's a lot more to the law than this uh, here in this chapter here. But in this passage is where we find the Ten Commandments. So that's probably the most uh, understood or recognized portion of the law. And that's an area of moral law, not ceremonial. And so Exodus chapter 20, as you're heading that direction, uh, we'll look here, verse 1. And it says here, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughters, thy manservant, maidservant, cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that them is, and he rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father. And thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. I'm going to stop there. You know, I didn't plan on reading all that, but I got into that and I thought, you know, it's good. We need to hear the Ten Commandments and be reminded of some of the direction God has given us. Uh, you know the Ten Commandments are kind of interesting? Everything else falls within one of those ten. Everything. You go through the rest of the book, the rest of the, of the law that God has given, and you can place it somewhere in those ten. You see, God has given us the law, what we're to do, what we're not to do. And we find some direction there. 
You know, even today, those are applicable today. Those are applicable. You know, I heard this week there was someone who'd made the comment, and someone here may have heard it or read it, made the comment talking about abortion, saying that Jesus Christ never taught against abortion, is what he said. And then he kind of smugly said, wanted people to prove him wrong. And you know what? Here's what it comes down to. No, Christ didn't use the word abortion in the New Testament. You know the problem is? Many people don't realize or they don't want to understand that abortion is murder. And Christ did talk about murder, and he did talk about killing. And we find it in the Old Testament, we find it in Christ's teaching, and we find it in Paul's teachings. We're not to take a life. No matter if that life has just began, or if it's a hundred years old, we're not to take a life. We have no right just to go out and take someone's life as far as individuals. Now, there is a, a role the government plays that God has given, but we're not to murder or take a life. So, the Bible teaches us that. And there it is, plain as day for today. That we should apply, that we should live by. And that's the law. Now, as far as the law, the law is good if used lawfully. The law is good if used lawfully. Now, some would say, well, how can we, you know, use it lawfully? I guess the thought here, the unlawful way to use it is when you begin to say, well, you got to keep that law to be saved. Now, let me give you a thought here. This is kind of an interesting thought. You know, um, if you could keep the law, you would be saved. Leviticus teaches that. Leviticus, I'll read you a passage, uh, which is kind of interesting, chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18, and uh, the law agrees basically that if you could keep the law, you would be saved. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Or I don't know if I'd say saved as much as you would remain righteous. That's the way I'll put it, not saved, because if you can keep the law, you haven't sinned. And that would make you righteous. Notice Leviticus chapter 18 this morning in verse 1. It tells us here, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, shall you not do. After the doings of the land of Canaan, whether I bring you, shall you not do, neither shall you walk in the ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments, keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Notice verse 5. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which, if a man do, he shall live in them, and I am the Lord. You know, there is life. Someone's pointing out there's life in the law. But you had better keep it 100% and never break it. Never break it. Ever break it. Ever break it. One sin breaks the law. That's, that's the thing. That's the problem. You see, the law is good. God has given us the law. The law is like a mirror. It shows the true, our true self. It shows our true nature. And I think if we go back just to those Ten Commandments, you start with number one, thou shalt have no other God before you. I don't think anyone's ever kept that. Just to begin with. We've all, at some point in our life, did what we wanted to do. Didn't put God first. Didn't even think about God. Nobody can say that every decision I made, I thought of God. I put God first. You see, what the law does, it shows us our shortcomings, our inabilities, that we're sinners. And that's where Christ comes in. Because he kept the law. He fulfilled it. He lived a perfect life. Peter said there was no guile even. In other words, there was no even hint of deception found in Jesus Christ. And he spent over three years with Christ during good and difficult times. You see, Christ fulfilled Leviticus 18 right here. He fulfilled it. He kept it. And he lives because he's righteous. And so what we find is because of Christ, 
then we can have life. So as far as life, you know the law doesn't contradict the gospel in any way. There's no contradiction here. There's no contradiction between the law and what Jesus Christ has done. Both agree on what is right and what is wrong. Both agree on what gives eternal life, and that's perfect obedience. That's what produces eternal life. The best explanation of the law is found in the gospel. You see, Jesus Christ is the complete fulfillment of the law. You see, the law demands perfection. And that's what Jesus Christ did. And you know what the gospel offers? Forgiveness. The law says you have to be perfect. Well, I'm over here saying I can't be perfect. Then Christ is here saying, I have lived a perfect life for you. In your place, you can have forgiveness. You see, they complement each other. They go together. The law demands strength from one that has no strength. We have no strength to live according to the law. Christ has the strength to live according to the law. The law demands obedience. Well, after you have Christ in your life, you can obey the Lord. You can walk with Him. You see, the law says, do this and live. You know the gospel says? Trust in Christ who's already done it. It's finished. And then you can have life. You see, the gospel and the law complement each other. They work together. And that's why Paul is saying, the law is good if used lawfully. In other words, if you understand what it's there for, and you realize the law is there to show you your need for a Savior, then guess what? The law has done exactly what it's meant to do. It's meant to show us direction, meant to point us to Christ, meant to get us in the right way. And that's the purpose of the law. And praise God that we not only have the law so we know our need, but we also have Christ so we have forgiveness of sin. You see, the good news of heaven is you have help. You have help. You can keep the law through Christ, not in your own power, not in your own strength, but because of Him. Now that goes back to receiving Christ as your Savior. Believing on Him, receiving His work, and receiving Him into your heart and into your life. And then you have His power, His strength. You live in Him. You have life in Him. And that's what salvation is. Life. And it's life in Jesus Christ. So the good news today is Jesus Christ will help you out with the law. Because you need it. Now you can persist. I'm stubborn. I'll admit... My wife's already smiling over there. I admit I am stubborn. And sometimes I take two or three times to learn something. And even then I might not even learn it. I just keep on going sometimes. You know, uh, that's why I can tell you this. I am so grateful that God didn't give up on me for salvation. Because I heard the gospel a lot before I accepted Christ. I heard it. I knew it. I, I grew up in a home. I heard a pastor preach it. And I heard the gospel. I just ignored it. Thought I didn't need it today. Thought, ah, I'll take care of it later. And then it was one day where I just grabbed hold. I remember it was a message. The pastor was preaching a message. Pastor Corson, I remember him. He's with the Lord today. And I remember he was preaching. He got, he began to preach his message. And I couldn't tell you what the message was about. All I remember is at the very beginning, he talked about sin and the need to be saved. And for the first time in my life, it hit me. I have sinned against God and I haven't been forgiven. And I don't remember any of the message. And he used to preach long, like 45, 50 minutes sometimes. He'd get going. And here's what I did. I remember throughout that whole message, here's what I prayed. I prayed, Lord, please don't return. Because I knew the rapture. I heard about the rapture. I knew the teaching of the rapture. And I was like, Lord, don't return because I'm not saved. I didn't repent and believe. I should have done that, but I didn't. I was just scared to death. I knew it just hit me. I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. And that whole message, that's all I did. I just sat there and just prayed, Lord, 
Don't return. Don't return. And then he ended the message. He gave an invitation. And when he gave the invitation, I remember I turned around to my parents. I said, I, I'm not saved. And they both said, get down to the altar. Go talk to the pastor. And that's what I did. And right there up front, I received Christ as my Savior. And I am grateful that I had the opportunity over and over and over again that God was gracious. Maybe there's someone here this morning that's been stubborn like that. You heard the gospel. You've heard people talk about salvation. You, you know what it is. You've just put it off. You've just neglected it. You just think for another day. Maybe here this morning, today is the day that you get things right with God. Today is the day you realize, I need God's help to be saved. I can't keep that law. Christ, I need you. I need you to, in my heart, I need you in my life. And this morning, get that settled. You know, that's the good news that God has given us help. Here's the last one. The good news of hope. The good news of hope. Let's go back to our passage. Because he talked about the law being lawful. And then he goes into this section here. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless. Now that's interesting how he says it. He said, the law is not made for a righteous man. Now he's not talking about this. He's not saying that a righteous man can go live unlawfully. What he's talking about here is the spiritual relationship with God. He's saying the law is not made for the righteous man because the righteous man keeps the law. Now you can't keep it in your strength, but once you're saved... Christ keeps that. So the law is no longer for a righteous man. In other words, you're no longer condemned by the law. It's for the unlawful. And then he goes into a list here. Notice he says this. Uh, he says, for the lawless, the disobedient, the ungodly, for sinners, for unholy, profane, murderers of fathers, murderers of mothers, manslayers, whoremongers, them that defile themselves with mankind, men stealers, liars, perjured persons. There be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. He kind of covered everything, did he not? I mean, it kind of puts everything in here. All sin, you know, the sins we see today that's prevalent in our world today, those sins that people are promoting and, and living, he, he, they all fall right into here, in at least one of these categories. And basically, what Paul is telling us here is there is hope from this. There's hope from this. You see, here's some thoughts about sin that I want you to consider, because he talks about being disobedient. That's what sin is, by the way. It's disobedience to God. That's what sin is. You know, that's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They disobeyed God. They had a choice. They chose to go against God. That's what sin is. And it's not, you know, we think of the what we'd call the vile sins, murder. That's a sin. But you know, uh, just as Christ taught, even hating your brother in the heart is murder. See, he took it back to the motive. That's what he did. We talk about the sin of committing adultery or the sexual sins. You know what Christ said? Just to look upon a woman in lust is committing adultery. See, what he did is Christ took it to the heart and said, you know what, you, you guys just talk about the act, but I know the heart. And that's where it begins. And if it's there in the heart, that's where sin is. See, that gets a little more personal. Because then we realize, wow, yeah, uh, you know, God knows my thoughts. Uh, I heard someone put it this way once. If, if and, and after I heard this, I thought, man, it just humbled me. God said, you know, could you imagine if, like today, if... The Lord would open up everything you ever thought so anybody here could know what you thought, ever. I'd crawl out of this room. I'd get out of here quick. And I think we all would because our thoughts are personal. But we're sinners, so we've had sinful thoughts at times. Whether it's pleasure or vengeance or being angry at somebody or not saying it but thinking something, you know, we have a thought in our... You see, God knows those. See, that's where it becomes more personal. That's where God says... I know those thoughts. And it goes to the thoughts and the intents of the heart, not just your conduct. Your conduct is your heart displayed. And so we get back to this. 
That's the sin here, disobedience. And here we find here he says, get back here, he says, the lawless and the disobedient for the ungodly for the sinners. And he, he gives a list here of all the sin here. Anything contrary to sound doctrine, anything contrary to what we would call good teaching or the scriptures. So here's what we have. Sin dishonors God because it's against God. It's disobedience to God. And when you sin, you put yourself against God. That's what you do. You put yourself against God. And sinners, without salvation, they are, the Bible says, at enmity with God. In other words, they're in opposition to God. They oppose the Lord. You know, I think that's something we have to also let people know too. Not in a mean way or a cruel way, but let people know. If you're not saved, things are not okay. All right? If you're not saved, it's not, oh, well, you know, things will be fine. No. You're at odds with God. And if you don't get things right with God, you're going to have difficulties here, but... You go into eternity that way, it's going to be terrible. You see, it's a real situation. It's a serious situation. But the good news is there's hope. See, that's the good news. That there's a gospel. There's a there's Jesus Christ. And that's the good news as far as hope is concerned. Because, you know, sin destroys mankind. Sin destroys mankind. And, and James chapter 1, let me turn over there and we'll just real quick read this uh, description in James here. It talks about... The destructive power of sin. In the book of James chapter 1, he says here, in verse 13, notice the Bible tells us here, uh, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust." And enticed. But notice the power of sin here. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I always thought it was interesting how it's described. When it is finished, it bringeth forth death. In other words, it may not destroy you right now. But when it's complete, it'll destroy you. Uh, have you ever seen a cat play with uh, something it caught? I've seen that. And I've seen cats play with something they caught. And they let them go far enough away just to think they can escape, then they go get them again. Yeah. And often, if nobody, inter- if nobody intervenes, at some point, it'll be killed. That's what sin does to mankind. That's what sin will do to you. It'll destroy your life. It may not happen all at once, but that's the direction it's going. You see, that's the, the hope we have, though. Here, here's how I'm going to bring this down to as we get ready to wrap this up this morning. Jesus Christ... Provides an answer to sin. You know, as I gave in that illustration, if nobody intervenes, that's what the cat's going to do to whatever it's caught. Well, that's what sin's going to do to someone if nobody intervenes. But Christ, praise God, Christ gives life and can pull you away from sin, the power of sin. And here's some thoughts on Jesus Christ and His power. Well, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when Jesus Christ saves somebody... It's not saved partially or just over. He saves completely. First, from the penalty of sin. You no longer have to face judgment from God because of your sin. You're forgiven. You know, forgiven is a wonderful, wonderful word. To be forgiven. To be forgiven. You're forgiven of your sin. So when you stand before God, you'll not stand as someone who's being judged for sin. You'll stand as, as someone who belongs to God. You'll give an account for your abilities and, and your how you live life, but not for judgment. And then also God gives power over what we would call presence of sin in your life. That whole list there, 
You know, those are, those are temptations for people. Those are trials. Those are but you see, God gives us power over sin through Christ. Jesus said, I can, or Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, when you have Christ in your life, you now have power to live above those sins. You have power to overcome, power to say no. You have wisdom to know what's right and know what's wrong. So that way you can say no. You see, that's what Jesus Christ does. And that's the good news today that I want to share with you, is that Jesus Christ gives hope. He gives hope. We live in a world that's uh, needing some hope today. And that's what Jesus Christ offers. Jesus Christ not only says, can you have eternal life, but I can make your life better today, right now. I can give you peace in the middle of your trials. I can give you wisdom to know what to do, what to say to help you out. You see, that's what Christ offers. That's the good news that I can share with you this morning. So, in closing this morning, uh, the good news is Jesus Christ. The good news is Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior? That's the question I ask you. And if you have, then praise God. Let's praise the Lord. You have the good news. You know Christ as your Savior. And the next step for you is to share that with someone else. Share the good news this week with somebody. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Then today that can be settled. Today you can, this can be the day that you can not only know the good news, but you can act upon it. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.